Good morning. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Today is August 16th, 2020. Welcome here to worship. As we begin, just a couple of announcements. One, just a reminder that today on the 16th and then on the 23rd of August, there will be no live worship either in High Falls or in Rochester while I'm on vacation. Also, Rochester will be having its chicken barbecue on the 29th of August if we have enough uh, people sign up beforehand. With all the uncertainty of, of how things work these days, we are selling tickets. So if you are interested, I'm going to send out an email with that announcement to both churches on who to contact. Uh, please take a look at that, but we need reservations no later than the 23rd. With that, let us pray. Holy God, creator of all that is, donor of grace and giver of life, hear our prayer. There are chasms in our lives, deep valleys that separate us from one another and from you. We confess that we have allowed those rifts to grow. For fear of admitting our part in the separation, for fear of being rejected when we reach out, you call us to a reconciled life, to healed relationships, to a wholeness with each other and with you. Mend us, we pray, and make us new creations. Through the power and love of Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. And hear these words of promise this morning as well. I am the Lord. And I will free you from the burdens of the Egyptians and deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty act of judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you. For possession, I am the Lord. Those words this morning come from the book of Exodus, and as our sermon study on the book of Matthew continues, and we're up to the point where Joseph and Mary will flee to Egypt, a lot of the pictures of the promises of that time, of Moses and the promises to go into the promised land, are part of the narrative. So hear those words of promise one more time. I am the Lord, and I will free you from the burdens of the Egyptians. With that, also then do not forget to live the way God asks. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourselves. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This morning we continue our sermon series on the Gospel of Matthew. Today we're on chapter 2, starting at verse 13, going through verse 18, if you'd like to follow along. This is the story of uh, Mary and Joseph taking Jesus, and when he's still a little kid, and fleeing to Egypt. Okay, So again, Matthew 2, starting at verse 13, if you'd like to follow along. 
Now after they had left, and by the way, the they is the wise men, right? We just came out of the story where they came and bowed and gave their gifts. After the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child and to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This is to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah wailing and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be consoled because they are no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, and in your truth find freedom, in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So we'll begin with the downbeat in this part of Matthew, right? Matthew does this pattern where he goes, duh, 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 and then there's some other little element that sort of fits in between those major beats that you're supposed to pay attention to. The downbeat is this today. There's a mother and a father and a child. Taking the information that they have and making the best decisions they can. A father, a mother, a child. Taking the information they have available and making the best decision they can. That's our downbeat to the major pattern. I know that Joseph in this story gets an angel, and yet, like anybody, he still has to make the decision to get on a donkey and go. And that we see in here. The angel says to go do it, and then it gets reiterated that Joseph did it. Because at the end of the day, no matter what the major beat is, there's going to be a father or a mother. There's going to be a decision to make on whether to go. You know, in Egypt, if you travel to Egypt, apparently you can find multiple sites where uh, people will claim that this is where Joseph and Mary came and landed for a while while they lived in Egypt. None of that can be, you know, confirmed that they ever lived anywhere in Egypt. But if you add them all up, it makes an interesting story, doesn't it? It tells quite a tale that fleeing from the madness of King Herod, they land in Egypt, and then maybe, like anybody who is fleeing for their lives, they keep moving throughout Egypt. That the first years of Jesus' life are exactly this experience of the unsettled, not knowing what's going to happen, on the run. And it isn't until King Herod dies that they get to go home and have a sense of stability or safety. They spent years running. comes down to a father and a mother with their children making decisions with the information that they have the best they can. That's the downbeat. 
The major beat this morning, though, comes from the rest of the stuff. The prophecies out of Egypt, I've called my son, is one of them. Then there's the line, Rachel weeping for her children. Rachel's a stand-in for all of Israel. So the nation of Israel weeping for her own is that thing. But you know, these prophecies, these prophecies that connect to a major story of the Old Testament. It's sort of like this. There is a story in the Old Testament for the Jewish people, at least at this time, that it's a lot like, for us as Christians, that thing that's behind my head. For us as Christians, that cross is sort of the pivot point on the rest of our thinking, our ideas, our theology, what we believe, what we do. It all connects back to, comes back around to, the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. That story is central. For the Jewish people at this time, they also had a story that was central, that almost everything sort of came back around to, that these prophecies came back around to, that they're, they're relying on as their imagery. And it is the Exodus story, the story of Moses freeing his people from Egyptian slavery, right? That story, by the way, just so we're clear on, on what that story teaches and, and how it became the pivot point for that community, for all of the Jewish people, was... So you start with a God who chooses them, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are the ones who God says, I choose you as a people. They end up being slaves in Egypt after that. But again, they're chosen. So no matter what happens, they are protected. No matter what enemy arises, no matter what they go through in life, they're protected. You understand how that becomes a pivot point story for the rest of the people? No matter what else happens, God protects you. And out of God's power and might, God uses Moses, and there's deliverance, and then there's the blessing of getting their own land. This becomes the pivotal story, right? It becomes that God protects, God delivers, God blesses. But don't forget that there's another idea in there, the next idea, the next domino that needs to fall in the story, which is asking the question, why would God do that? Why would God use all of God's power and authority in the life of the Israelite people to choose them, to protect them, to deliver them, and to bless them? Why would God do that? And there we get the idea that they were to be a light to the nations. That through them, the rest of the world would come to know God again. That that reconciliation with all of creation begins with them, and they are the ones who show the way. And it's really important in that story, because what else happens in Jewish history with this pivotal story is that blessing of their own nation, Jerusalem, the temple, the rest of it, it, it crumbles. It falls, and they have to answer the question, why would God do that? And the answer is, there's something perverse about that. God wanted you to be a light to the nations, and then you turned it into something else, something unfaithful, something that does not take care of others. And so we get this story, Moses the Exodus as the pivot story of the Jewish community 
that is about a God who chooses, protects, delivers, blesses, but for the purpose of them to be a light to the nations. And while God will never stop protecting them, God protects them through a lot of things, it doesn't mean God's going to let them keep all the trappings of their life, like the walls of Jerusalem and the stability of their lives and the temple. Those things can crumble and fall away if you stop being a light to the nations. Anyway, so Matthew is doing that here in, in this section of the gospel. Uh, there's this basic story, or not basic, but kind of the grounded foundational story of what's happening here. Herod, King Herod, kills the first four. Where else have we heard that story? Well, it's actually right at the beginning of Exodus, when the character of Moses is the firstborn, and Pharaoh of Egypt, seeing that his, Egyptian, his uh, Israelite slaves have grown too numerous, orders the death of the firstborn children, so that they can lower their numbers. Moses is that child, so he gets put in that reed basket and sent down the river, and then the royal family finds him, and, and all that stuff begins in his life. But we get an illusion between King Herod and Pharaoh. They take the same action to protect their own power. And it's perverse in both stories. Don't miss the dramatic irony here either, because back in the Exodus story, who's the heroes? Israelite people. Who are the villains? The Egyptians. We get to the New Testament, and Matthew goes, who's the villain this time? King Herod. Who's the heroes? Well, at least in part, it's Egypt now, because Egypt's the place where there's protection, taking care of those in need. There's this major beat in this story that, you know, God does this, and yet, where's Matthew's also going, there's a perversion to it now. And what happens in the story when the God who chooses and protects and delivers and blesses for you to be a light to the nations, what happens when you pervert it for your own power and your own good? It gets taken away from you. You're still protected, but all the trappings of your power are removed. That's happened in history, and Matthew's saying, look at King Herod, it's going to happen again. There needs to be a revolution in Israel again. So we get the major beat, the connection to the Exodus story, the pivot point on which prophecies were connected, ideas were connected, theology was connected, their identity as a people were connected to being a people who are chosen, protected, delivered, and blessed to be a light to the nations. That's the major beat. That memory, and that's the word I'm going to use this morning, that memory of the past is like a double-edged sword. For God, God gives you that memory and that story to live into, to have that identity. For what? Again, it's protection, perseverance, care for others. To be a light to the nations. But memory can also be a double-edged sword because you can also then take it and look at it and go, but that's why we get to dominate. That's why we get to have power. 
That's why we get to have our own ambitions in the world, and we get to do crazy, horrible things like killing the firstborn to protect our power, because that's what God wants. We're chosen. See how it can go either way? In God's hand, the idea of being chosen and protected and delivered and blessed is to share that with the world. But it can be perverted by those who it is given to into domination and power and selfish ambition, embodied in this story in King Herod. That's the major beat of what Matthew wants us to get. But never forget the downbeat. That really does matter. At this particular moment in history, don't forget the downbeat. No matter what else is going on in the world, the powers doing what they have to do to control their own power, the domination, the selfish ambition, whatever else is going on in the world and the games that get played on the big macro scale, If we yet again see in our world stories about people who have decided they are chosen, they are protected, they are delivered, they are blessed, and they are going to pervert it so that they can take their own power, their own domination, their own selfish ambition, that's the macro thing, big beats of history that are happening again. Don't forget the downbeat. There's a father and a mother who are taking the most information that they have available to them and making the right decision for themselves, their kid, and their family. I say that in particular because, honestly, as, as I talk to different people, I'm really worried, just personally very worried right now, about what it means for kids to be going back to school. And not just, like, what's happening when they go to school, but the impact on those decisions on families, the stress on families. Moms and dads trying to figure out what the next right thing is. When everything else is going on, when public policy and public health and, and all those big questions become part of someone else's decision-making process, you still have to be the downbeat, don't you, of what's right for you. And it's for a very, very good reason that in a few chapters, this little boy in the story, who spends the first years of his life running for his life, unsettled, unstable, he will grow up and he will say this to you. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Downbeat is there's a mom, there's a dad, and they've got to make a decision today on what the next right thing is. Not for forever. You can't plan it out right now. You can respond to today. I want the rest of us, and this includes me because I don't have kids, but I want the rest of us as a community to make sure that our Moms and our dads know that. That the stress they're going through on making the right decisions about their kids, they are not alone. That we understand the downbeat. That they are taking in the information that they have 
and making the best decisions that they can. And we, their community, whether that is church or that is family or that is society, we got your back. We understand that in the midst of all the other stuff that's going on, you've got to make some decisions. And it might be really scary because you may think, oh, if my kid doesn't do X, Y, and Z right now, what's going to happen to them in the future? Today's got enough problems of its own. But what if, and what if they fall behind? Today's got enough problems. Today, let today's problems be today's problems. And the promise of your community is that we understand we are a light to a nation. So whatever decisions in the downbeat you've got to make, we are going to try everything we can to recommit to what God wants from a chosen people to be about. Protection, perseverance, and care for others. We, your community, want you to know you make the decision today, we'll figure out the rest when it comes. You may be asking yourself, what happens to my kid? What happens in the future? Or even this question, what will people think of me? What kind of parent am I? You're a mom or you're a dad making the best decisions you can, and we get that. So make the best decision that you can. And then the next chapter of our collective lives will be the one where we can say, we'll make sure that they're okay. The major beat, the major beat is some dramatic irony about a people who once had to be rescued from slavery and now God needs to rescue them from themselves. And in the midst of that, the faithfulness looks like the downbeat of mom and dad doing the best they can. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you again for Mary and Joseph in bringing your son Jesus into the world. Help us to recognize that the challenges they faced in their lives are not incredibly unlike ours, but that the God who chooses and protects and delivers and blesses is always who you are. Help us to direct our hearts and our minds to making the choices that look like protection, perseverance, care for others, and may the problems that we face when there's a lot going on may be the problems of today that we focus on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, let us pray. Lord, may justice flow like a river reaching barren lands and sun-scorched deserts. When people feel forgotten or hopeless, let your water of life comfort them. When your children lie abandoned or abused, let your water of life protect them. 
Where communities suffer at the hands of bias, let your water of life shield them. We ask for your mercy to reign from heaven. May your sons and daughters hear your voice. May we live as you lead us to live. Go as you bid us to go. Serve as you inspire us to serve. Give as you teach us to give. Until your kingdom come, until earth and heaven be one, we ask for all these things in the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.